Chapter Seven of Billy Whiskers Travels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Natalia Hafner. Billy Whiskers Travels by Francis Trago Montgomery. Chapter Seven. Billy finds his mother. Poor Billy forced back into his crate and nailed up again, began to think he did not like travelling very well. So far he had been in two cities, and so far he had seen neither one of them by daylight, while everywhere he went he got hurt. All that night, and all the next day, he moped in his crate with a sore head. On the following night he was bundled into an express car, and giving up in despair, lay down and went to sleep. When he awoke, it was daylight, and he was being taken off the train in Havre, where the Browns were to take the boat for Cherbourg, and then for America. This was the first time that Frank had seen Billy since they left Bern, and when he and Mr. Brown walked up to the crate after it had been taken off the train, Frank's heart was filled with pity. There were raw places on Billy's head, his fine shiny coat had the black marks of fire on it, and altogether he was as woe-begone and miserable a looking goat as ever was seen. Of course the Browns did not know anything of the adventures that Billy had been through, but Frank was a boy who did not like to see animals suffer, and he was very angry. "'Just see, Papa,' he cried, "'how they have abused my poor goat, shut up in the tight crate all this time!' I'm sure he's not so bad a goat as you thought. He has been imposed upon. Please let me take him out of that crate and lead him by a rope. I know that he will come along nicely. Billy baaed gratefully at this, and with some reluctance Mr. Brown allowed the goat to be taken out of the crate, let Frank secure a rope, and tie him on behind the carriage which was to take them to their steamer. It was not Billy's fault that the knot was an ordinary single bow hitch, and Billy did not know, when he nipped at a little end which stuck out, that he would loosen the whole knot and let himself free. But that is exactly what happened. For a time he trotted along nicely behind the carriage, but as they reached the wharves, Billy saw a sight that filled him with eager interest. Near a big cattle-boat was an enormous pen filled with goats, which were soon to be loaded on the boat, and Billy at once ran down to this pen, which was about a block away. His heart beat high with hope as he neared it, and when he came close up to the bars, he began to baa as loudly as he could. From inside the pen came an answering bleat. Billy's mother was there, and she had recognized his voice. She crowded close up to the bars, and soon she and Billy were affectionately rubbing noses through the little spaces between the boards, telling each other all that had happened to them since they had become separated. How Billy did wish that he could get inside the pen and go to America with her! He trotted around and around the high fence, trying to find a weak place where he could break in, but the pen was built strong enough to make all such trials useless. So after every round, Billy would have to come back to where his mother stood waiting and tell her of his failure. After he had made a third trial and came back up to her, 
the wise old goat struck a happy idea. Just stand where you are, Billy, she said, and by oh by maybe one of the drivers will come this way and think that you belong in here with us. Then he will let you in, and we will go on board together. She had scarcely more than finished speaking when the lash of a sharp whip that had whizzed through the air hit Billy on the flank. Looking up, he saw a young man opening a gate for him to be driven through. The young man had no whip, however, so Billy turned in the other direction to see where the stinging blow had come from. Standing only a few feet away from him was a short, wide man with a whip in his hand, and Billy started for him with a snort. "'A thousand lightnings yet again!' exclaimed the fat man, who was none other than our old friend and Billy's old enemy, Hans Zug. Hans knew better this time than to run when he had a way so much easier to escape. With all the speed that his pudgy body would let him have, he climbed the bars of a high pen just in time to escape the hard bump that Billy jumped up to give him. Sitting on the top bar, Hans whirled his whip around his head and lashed Billy across the back. Wild with rage, Billy tried to reach his enemy, but he could not jump high enough, and Hans, laughing till he shook like a bowl of jelly, reached down and lashed Billy once more. Feeling that with all his strength he certainly ought to jump high enough to reach his tormentor, Billy tried to leap again and again, but every time all he got for his pains was a whack with the long whip. At last, however, Hans made his big mistake. After whipping poor Billy until he was tired, Hans laughed so heartily that he fell backwards off the fence. And you'd better believe that Billy's mother made him welcome. She met him with her hard head while he was on the way down. Hans dropped his whip and grabbed for dear life at the fence, and he caught hold with both hands just at the right height to make a good mark for Billy's mother. That strong and sturdy old goat bumped him twice for every lash that he had given Billy, and every time she bumped him, Hans Zug grunted and yelled. He clawed his feet desperately to get a foothold on the bars to climb up, but every time he would get one foot placed, Billy's mother would give him another terrific bump, and he would lose his footing. Billy, on the outside, ran backward and forward, hoping for Hans to get to the top and fall over on his side of the fence. And poor Hans was in an awful predicament. At last, seeing that Hans' comical struggles were not going to put him over where Billy could get at him, that anxious youngster ran to where the young man was still holding the gate open a little way, and ran inside, upon which the gate closed sharply behind him. He made his way rapidly among the other goats and quickly ran up beside his mother. He watched her motion, jumping when she jumped, and they both butted Hans together so hard that, with a mighty grunt, he went way up in the air, both his feet landing at once on a bar higher than the one he had been trying to catch. Billy and his mother both laughed, but they were so delighted and so excited that the next time they tried to bump Hans, their horns clashed. They stumbled and fell back, and in that moment Hans Zug climbed up out of reach. When he got to the top of the fence, he lay down straddle of it, 
clinging with both hands and feet to the topmost bars for safety. Haas and pfeffer and pretzels, groaned poor Hans, panting for breath, while the big drops of sweat rolled off his cheeks. Thunderclaps and sunstrokes. Oh, my poor trousers. He had good reason to say that last, for the sharp horns of the two goats had ripped his trouser legs until they were in shreds, and there were some sharp red marks on his legs too. Billy Mischief and his mother only capered in joy. What did they care about poor Hans trying to get his breath on top of the fence? They were together, and together they were going to America. It was not long until the gate of the pen was opened, and all the goats were driven out through a fenced runway across a fenced gangplank and through a wide, dark doorway into the hold of the cattle ship. Billy and his mother found themselves in a long, low compartment, dimly lighted by little round windows close under the ceiling. The goats were driven up to the forward end of the boat and put on both sides of the center aisle, behind strong, high bars. By this arrangement, Billy and his mother were separated, in spite of all they could do to keep together, and could only stand close to the bars looking sorrowfully at each other across the aisle. They soon quit this, however, because of a new interest. Some surprising passengers came to join them. First, six big camels were driven in two by two and fenced off next to the goats. Then a herd of small elephants followed these, and then came a vast number of snarling, growling animals in strong cages, lions and tigers and other fierce wild beasts. An American circus that had been traveling in Europe was on its way back home. At last the ship was loaded and began to move out of its slip towards the ocean. The wild animals had been nervous and noisy before, but as soon as the ship began to move, they became still more excited. The elephants trumpeted, the tigers snarled, the hyenas set up their screeching cry, the lions roared. It was a perfect pandemonium of shrieks and howls and yells, and for the first time in his life, Billy trembled with fear. It was not for long, however. Billy was a brave goat, and a smart goat, and he knew that so long as those fierce animals stayed in their cages, they could not hurt anything. The only thing that bothered him was that he remembered how he had broken out of his own crate in the railroad train. This was the worst trip Billy ever made. The animals were never quiet for more than a minute at a time. There would be a lull when none of them would make any noise, and Billy would lie down, hoping for a moment of rest. All at once, some animal would grunt. The next one would grumble. The next one would growl. The next one would snarl. And by that time, they would all be at it. Then suddenly, the hyenas would begin. Then one of the fiercer animals would begin to roar, and the old hubbub would begin all over again, winding up always with the lion's deep, and terrifying, huff, huff, huff. Billy got tired of it by and by, and thought that he would like to go away into some quiet corner and rest. A great many of the goats had been thinking the same thing, and one after another they had been trying the stout boards, 
some of them attempting to push them out or break them, and some trying to pry them loose with their stout horns. None of them, however, had the patience and strength and determination of Billy, and at last, down in one corner, he found a board that did not seem so strongly fastened as the others, and on this board he began prying cautiously with his horns. Billy would pry carefully until he was tired, then lie down, and rest a while, and then go at it again. For nearly an hour he worked at it, and at last he was rewarded by having the board come loose. He squeezed out through it, and the board sprang back into place. Another goat tried to follow, but he did not know the trick, and in place of pulling with his horns, pressed against the board, so Billy was the only one to get loose. Billy trotted between the long rows of animals, being very careful to keep in the exact center of the aisle and as far away from all of them as he could. One of the elephants reached out his long trunk and caught Billy by the tail, but it was only a playful nip, and after jerking Billy back a little piece, the elephant let him go. Billy looked around at the big gray beast and saw by his twinkling eyes that it was only in fun, so, kicking up his heels, he trotted on with a friendly Ah! The lions and tigers and the leopards snarled and howled at him as he went past, while the hyenas laughed, if the terrible noise they make can be called laughing. Down toward the middle of the ship was a steep stairway up to an open door that led out on the deck, and up this Billy climbed with ease. It was delightful, after the close, stuffy place, to stand on the cool, breeze-swept deck. The steamer was making good headway now, and all around was the ocean. The shore was only a low, hazy line, away out there at the edge of the water. Billy was interested in the gaily colored circus wagons, some of which, crowded out of the lower hold, were grouped on the big, bare afterdeck, and Billy did not notice, until up very close to him, that a big, fat man was leaning over the rail. It was Hans Zug, and although the ship was riding easy and the ocean was very calm, Hans was already beginning to feel very sorry that he had not stayed on solid land. "'Ah, I'm so sick,' groaned poor Hans. "'I wish I could die yet. I should feel me so much better.' "'Now it would be kindness to cheer Hans up a little bit and make him forget his misery,' thought Billy. Lowering his head and backing off a little way, he gave a run and bumped Hans a good one, which he felt he still owed him for the whipping of the morning. He struck harder than he knew, and Hans, a big part of his heavy body already lying far out over the rail, got such a boost that he lost his balance and went bumping down the side of the ship into the water. "'Man overboard!' shouted the first mate, who was up on the bridge, and immediately the ship was in great commotion." Sailors came tumbling up out of another stairway, and Billy thought it was time for him to make himself scarce. He did not care to go back into the hold, so he ran in among the circus wagons and hid. The ship stopped and turned around. A small boat was hastily lowered, and the sailors in it began rowing like mad to where Hans had gone down. Poor Hans did not know how to swim, but when a boy he had learned to float, and now— 
turning on his back, he kept his hands down to his sides and his face turned up. When the sailors got there, with the rowboat, his fat round face was bobbing along above the little waves like a pumpkin in a pond. Ach, those dear mountains at home, wept Hans, when they pulled him into the boat. How I should wish I was back in Switzerland again. I said it that I wanted to die, but it is not, and it. Thank you, gentlemens. Thank you. A little rope ladder was let down, and Hans, all dripping, his clothes clinging around him and making him look like a wet balloon, climbed up on the deck. Where is that fire and brimstone goat? he cried, having now had time to get over his fright and his seasickness enough to be angry. When I find him, I throw him in all the ocean what is, yes. Billy kept as still as he could, but one of the sailors saw his stubby tail and pointed him out. Then the chase began. Billy dashed around and around the deck with Hans and the sailors close after him, and at last, when they were almost upon him, he came to the open door of the hold. Seeing no other way to escape, he was about to dash down this and had already placed his forefeet on the topmost stair when he saw two great greenish-yellow eyes close to him, staring up at him out of the dimness. One of the tigers had broken loose from his cage and had come slinking up the stairs, and Billy stood face to face with him. End of chapter 7